1: From the TOJ Digital Studios This is Play Like a Jet My name is Scott Mason You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1 And it's time for the weekend mailbag But we're going to do things a little bit differently this weekend The very big deal Chris Nimbley is taking a little bit of time off To rest, recharge, get ready For free agency Because we're going to be doing those daily reports And we're going to have big free agency mailbags Coming up both before free agency starts And after it's over So he's resting up and in his place this week, bringing in somebody from all the way across the world. This time difference is kind of crazy, but we made it work. The one and only Luke Grant. Luke, greetings from the States, sir.
2: How are you going, Scott? Thanks for having me back. Uh, big shoes to fill, but uh, let's see how we go.
1: Well, we've got the very big deal. We'll see what nickname we can come up with. Maybe we'll call you the Australian very big deal. <laughs>
2: Yeah, not such a big deal.
1: <laughs> That's what I call it myself sometimes, but we've got plenty <laughs> of questions, Luke, so let's jump right into it. And the first one comes from Sean Stalker. He says, gentlemen, as presidents of the Quentin Williams fan club, with what we know now, if the Jets could have traded down and gotten Buffalo's second round pick, and did what Buffalo did, taking Ed Oliver and Cody Ford or perhaps Nicole Hardman, who they were also rumored to be interested in, instead of getting Quentin Williams at number three, do you think that it would have been worth making that deal? For me, no. I still think Quentin Williams is going to be an absolute stud. Luke, you and I have talked about this privately, but we'll talk about this now on the podcast. A lot of the usage was the problem, the stunting and the two-gapping, but also he's 21 years old. And I'm not going to flip out just yet. You go back and look at some of the best interior defensive linemen, and they didn't have super impressive first seasons. One name that stands out in particular is a guy that terrorized the Jets last season, and that's Calais Campbell. Zero sacks in his first season, and after that, he's had more or less a decade of dominance. So, no, I still think Quentin Williams is going to be a beast. I wouldn't have traded that pick. For a second rounder to move down all the way and get Ed Oliver. I just think Ed Oliver was an inferior prospect. So, no, I wouldn't make that deal.
2: I, I think that's exactly right. I mean, even if you look at this trade without any names and you just say the Jets were trading down from three to eight in the draft and they were getting pick 38, that's not enough for me to to want to do it, especially with a division rival. And then when you attach a name to it, you know, you, yourself and I were both extremely high on Quinn and For me, he and Nick Bosa were player, 1A and 1B throughout the entire process. And to go down and get a guy like Ed Oliver, who is a much more raw prospect, um, and then get a guy like Cody Ford, who I wasn't in love with anyway, uh, or a guy like Mikel Hardman, who's more a gadget player, I'd much rather take the guy that I think is going to be the generational talent. And I think the Jets made the right call.
1: Yeah, I agree 100%. And it's funny because I remember I was panicking the day of the draft because all these rumors were flying around. And I'm texting nimbly like crazy because he's at Florham Park <laughs> and he's hearing all these things. So he finally just calls me back. He's like, yeah, I went to Smash Burger. So while I wait, I figured I'd call you back instead of sending a million texts. And I asked him about the Buffalo rumor. And he said it was a legit rumor that Buffalo was in on trying to get Quentin Williams. And I was sitting there going, oh, my God, I got to watch Sam Darnold get terrorized by this guy two times a year for the next 10 to 15 years. They can't make this deal with a division rival. It's going to be the worst thing ever. So. I still think that they made the right move sitting at number three and picking Quentin Williams. It was one of the few times where I was praising Mike McCagnin. There weren't a lot, Luke. There were not a lot of times that either one of us was praising Mike McCagnin, but that was one of them. Health is going to play a big part in whether or not Quentin Williams becomes an elite player as well because in his rookie season, he battled a couple of injuries. And if he wants to stay healthy in 2020 all the way through, he should really get on the horn and talk to the people at Omax Health. Because Omax Health is all about making you feel better. If you're living with chronic pain, you know how terrible it is. Constant discomfort. It can keep you from exercising, sleeping, or even eating. So if you're dealing with chronic muscle and joint pain, then make sure you try the natural breakthrough pain relief solution, cryo-free CBD roll-on developed by Omax Health. It's non-prescription. It's an easy roll-on. It's 100% natural, and it works within 10 minutes. And here's the best part. As a listener of Play Like a Jet, you get a 20% off discount on a full bottle of cryo-free CBD pain relief roll-on and free shipping. Discount also applies towards any product site-wide. Just go to omaxhealth.com today and enter promo code OVERTIME. That's omaxhealth, O-M-A-XHealth.com, promo code OVERTIME, and you'll get yourself 20% off cryo-freeze and anything site-wide. And while you certainly want to keep your body healthy, you definitely want to keep your home healthy. And that's why you want to go to Simply Safe. Every night, local police departments across America receive hundreds of calls from burglar alarms. The vast majority of the time, they have no idea whether the alarm's real. Is there really a crime going on or not? All the alarm company can tell them is that the motion sensor went off. But Simply Safe gives you a much higher level of. Of home security. If there's a break in, Simply Safe uses real video evidence to give police an eyewitness account of the crime. That means police dispatch up to 350% faster than for a normal burglar alarm. You get comprehensive protection for your entire home, 24 7 monitoring by live security professionals. And it's only 50 cents a day with no contracts visit simplysafe.com/overtime and you'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. You've got nothing to lose. Go now and be sure you go to simplysafe.com/overtime so they know play like a jet sent you. That's simplysafe.com/overtime. Next question comes in from Michael Palace. He says, if the Jaguars use the non-exclusive franchise tag which means that signing Yannick Ngakwe would cost two first-round picks should the Jets go after him anyway. No, that's a little too much for me. I think Yannick Ngakwe is an awesome player. I think he's an outstanding edge rusher, one of the best in the league, and he's 24 years old. But I think two first-round picks might be a little bit too much. He's not quite Khalil Mack level, so I wouldn't do that. If it was one first-round pick, you could try to twist my arm. Two first-round picks, way too rich for my blood.
2: Yeah, I agree 100%. I think the other thing we have to consider is the the depth of this free agent class when it comes to the edge position. A lot of guys like Shaq Barrett and uh, Matt Judon and guys at that level who, yeah, sure, they're not the players that Ngakwe are, but to give up two first round picks, that's a lot for a team with significant holes at corner, at edge, at offensive line. And as, as much as I'd love him to be on the Jets, that's
1: just too rich for my taste. And you just nailed it too, Luke There are a lot of pretty good free agent edge rushers And I don't think any of them are as good as Ngakwe But there is a pretty deep class of free agent pass rushers this offseason And I think one of the big problems that Mike McCagnin had And my friend Chris Walker and I have talked about this a lot Is that the Jets under McCagnin Never steered into the strength of the draft Or into the strength of free agency So if there's a deep class of a certain position like this year A wide receiver You say to yourself okay I don't necessarily need to use my first round pick On this position but I can double up Because there's so many of them And same thing with free agency now. You might look at the draft and say there's not that many good edge rushers, but there's some really good ones in free agency, so let me do everything I can to land one in free agency. A lot of times Mac would go into these things without a plan, and then we would get these weird disjointed rosters where, Luke, as you've pointed out many times, there are so many holes in so many important positions. I think it's
2: incredible when you look back at McCagnin's tenure to just realize that over four or five years he didn't address cornerback offensive line or edge at all in the draft over five classes in the top 100 I think his only pick was last year with polite and Adoga, and that's just unbelievable when you look at the way the NFL is going the passing league and those are the three most critical positions outside of quarterback and it's it's unbelievable I'm going off on a bit of a tangent but excited to see what Joe does uh, and really tapping into as you mentioned both the free agent edge class and the wide receivers in the draft.
1: Next question is from Michael Palace as well. This one's for you, Luke. He says, how come we don't see more AFL players punting in the NFL like Lachlan Edwards? Is it really that different?
2: I think he's forgetting about 2016. We had a uh, an all-Australian punting challenge between Hackett and Edwards. <laughs> um, look, there's there's enough Australians punting in the league at the moment and a couple of really good ones. Uh, as as your friend Michael Narnia, he, he's a huge uh, Lock Edwards fan. But then you've got Wisnowski over in San Francisco, a guy like Dixon in Seattle. So the talent's there. Um, you've had guys in Pittsburgh like Berry and Wing and those kind of guys before as well. Um, so I think there's more than probably some people realize. Um, as far as the the, uh, the difference goes, I guess in AFL, obviously it's still the, the same skill, but a lot of the kicks are more penetrating and, and low compared to the hang time that they're after in the NFL with punting. Um or that the players have the capability to do it at a high level, but um, a lot of them are just happy what they're doing. But to answer the original question, I, I think there's a few more than, than most people realize.
1: And Ben Graham, who is a punter for both the Jets and the Cardinals, was Australian. He had a heck of a leg on him, too. I remember that. Everybody used to talk about his hang time. Next question comes in from Michael Christopher. He says, backup quarterback seems like a low-key position that the Jets will have to address this offseason. How much would you spend on one, and which one would you like to see here? I think we learned enough not to trust Case to pick one when he picked Luke Falk. This is a tough one. I'd have to take a look at the list of backup quarterbacks. I don't typically think that spending a ton of money on a backup quarterback is a great idea for a team that's nowhere near contending for a Super Bowl. I think it's different if you're a team like, say, the New Orleans Saints where you have an older quarterback and a roster that's ready to really do something. And if that quarterback were to get hurt, you don't want to be in a position where your season is ruined. So Nick Foles would be an example of what happened in Philly. I don't think that Nick Foles is someone you want as a full-time starter, but if he's your backup, you're in pretty solid shape. With the Jets, you can't be spending $20 million on Teddy Bridgewater or whatever it is he's going to get. And plus, he's probably going to get a starting job anyway. I don't know how to answer this. I guess you could take a flyer on somebody like Marcus Mariota, but I don't know if he'd want to come in here. I think he'd probably want to go somewhere where he has a better chance to start. Plus, I don't think he'd be a good fit with Adam Gase. I hate to say this, but you probably just want somebody who's going to fit what Gase wants to do because like it or not, He's going to be the head coach, so it doesn't really matter what any of us think. It only matters how Gase is going to use the guy. And since we're talking backup quarterback and not some long-term solution to anything, a one-year deal for a guy that Gase likes is not the end of the world. No, and I'm actually going to do something unbelievable and defend Adam Gase. He, <laughs>
2: Luke Falk wasn't his backup quarterback. Trevor Simeon was the guy coming into 2019, and I actually thought the Jets had a really good quarterback situation. Um, Simeon's obviously started at, at a few different destinations and was a good backup. He had his injury in week two in uh, in Cleveland and, and things fell apart from there. I'll answer the first part by saying it's definitely a position of need. There's no one on the roster now uh, that can be that backup quarterback. But as you said, if Sam Darnold goes out for three games, this roster isn't winning and it's not making the playoffs. When on a position like the New England Patriots or Pittsburgh or even Indy, where where you know, two or three solid starts from a backup quarterback away from from making the playoffs. If Sam goes down, the season's over and, uh, and I wouldn't invest too heavily in it at all.
1: I agree with you, actually, in terms of the Jets quarterback situation last year. Because I thought Simeon was a pretty solid backup. He's a guy that you just wanted to hold down the fort if an injury happened. Or something like what did happen with the Mono where Darnold missed three games. You figure if he can give you a 1-2 and two or a 2-1 and one split during that period. That's enough to just make sure that things don't get out of hand. And with Luke Falk I actually liked him out of college. I was surprised that he looked so bad. I thought that he was a decent developmental guy. That maybe on the practice squad or is the third stringer. He was somebody that they could eventually develop into a good backup. That didn't happen. Oh, well. They took a shot. It was somebody Gase liked. It's happened before it's going to happen again. But I did like Simeon and Falk as the two quarterbacks behind Sam Darnold. Unfortunately, as you said, the injury happened with Simeon almost right away, and Falk just didn't pan out to be anything. Next question comes in from Mike John. He says, The top four offensive tackles are off the board. Howie Roseman calls Joe Douglas and says he wants to come up to 11 and offers this year's second and fourth to come up from 21. Do you stay put and take an elite wide receiver or an edge, or do you trade back and take a lesser player with extra draft capital? This is a tough one because I think it depends on who else is on the board and who Joe Douglas likes. So if there's an edge rusher that he likes, you may want to stay at 11. My inclination here would be to take the deal or at least try to get more before I took the deal. But extra picks to move down to 21 in this situation is not a bad thing at all. I don't think he's taking a wide receiver at 11. I probably wouldn't either. And Lucas, we'll talk about... And you talked to me about this before we started recording. There are so many good wide receivers, and I don't think that there's that much of a gap between most of them that I wouldn't use the 11th pick on one. I think Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb are both great, but there are so many good ones in this draft, and the Jets have so many holes to fill that I think getting those extra picks would be a good idea.
2: Yeah, I think anytime you have as many holes on the roster as we do, accumulating a couple of more day two pick and an early day three pick is huge for your roster. Look, I'll preface what I'm about to say by stating that Joe Douglas is definitely going to take an edge or trade down if that situation arises. I also don't think, despite the hype and the talk about this OL class, I don't think that all four are going to be off the board by 11. Uh, that's my inclination anyway. I'd be surprised if more than two are off the board by the time the Jets pick turned came around. It's a tough question. It really is, because Isaiah Simmons is a name that, that people are going to talk about who isn't a good fit for the Jets, but he's a phenomenal talent and he could play anywhere in, in Greg Williams scheme. I'm sure Joe would consider him he's not going to consider a receiver at eleven, whether the fans want him to or not. It'd be a, a tough a tough call, but I think I'd uh, be inclined to take the picks like you were
1: I love Isaiah Simmons. I think he's going to be an awesome player. I wouldn't hate it if Joe Douglas picked him. I don't think he's going to be on the board at 11, but if he was, unfortunately, I don't think that the rest of the fan base sees it that way. I think if Joe Douglas were to pick Isaiah Simmons, people would go absolutely insane. And I understand it doesn't necessarily fill a need, but sometimes you just have a talent that's so extraordinary that you make a move like that people will say it's a luxury pick but I don't see it that way I think anytime you have a guy that you think could be a hall of fame level talent that could make the kind of impact that say Jamal Adams did at a non-traditional impact position then I think it's certainly worth discussing
2: I think the other thing to consider with Simmons is he may not pay it play a traditional impact position but the two things he does best are rush the passer and and covered, coverage on the back end at safety. Mm-hmm. They're two things the Jets need, to be able to cover players and to be able to get after the passer. So I wouldn't hate it at all. It would be a terrible pick for Jets Twitter. The place would burn down, but I'd understand where, where Douglas is coming from, especially with, with Greg Williams' as defensive coordinator.
1: Daniel Jeremiah called it defensive playmaker, that it's not necessarily a position, but somebody that can disrupt both the pass and the run. We talk about Troy Palamalu a lot. He was a strong safety, but look at the impact he had. We saw what Jamal Adams did. So if they believe that Isaiah Simmons could be a player like that, then certainly it would be hard to argue that it's a bad pick regardless of whether or not you'd be disappointed.
0: While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep.
1: Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet. Next question comes in from Joe Horning. He says If Gase is done after this year, any chance the Jets hire Eric enemy Also, which characters would the Jets be if they were the Marvel Avengers? I think Jamal Adams would be Iron Man and Sam Darnold would be Spider Man. So we'll start with the first part of this. Do I think there's a chance they would hire Eric Biennami? Sure. But there's really no way to know what the Jets would think of him. We don't know how he does in interviews. We don't know what Joe Douglas would be looking for specifically. I'm sure that the enemy would get an interview. But beyond that, I really can't say whether or not he would get any kind of serious consideration. It really depends on how the front office and ownership feels and what type of direction they're looking to go in. As far as Avengers, the two that stick out to me... Are Joe Douglas is Punisher and Jamal Adams is Deadpool because Jamal is such a talker and so is Deadpool. So that's what I got for you on that. Luke, what do you think? Eric Bieniemy, if Adam Gase gets fired, and what do you think about the Marvel part of the question?
2: I'm not going to pretend to speak to to what Joe's looking for in a head coach. I don't have that information. As far as Eric Bieniemy, look, he. The things he has working for him are that he's from the best coaching tree in the NFL since Bill Walsh, and obviously Andy Reid was a part of that tree himself. Andy Reid's got a f- terrific pedigree when it comes to head coaches, and, and Eric is from that tree, has been part of a successful offense in Kansas City, and has been part of the maturation process of Patrick Mahomes. The thing that worries me about Eric Bien-Aimé, uh number one, he's never been a head coach at any level. And this is in the cyclical nature of the NFL, where they're getting back to that CEO, head coach, guys like Harbo and Rivera and these kind of names. It worries me he hasn't been a head coach. And then in conjunction with that, he hasn't called plays at the NFL level either. Those two things I don't love. He'd be a risk like Matt Nagy was and, and guys like that. I wouldn't have made those highs, so I'm not going to pretend to endorse Eric Bieniemy. Look, I think he's an intriguing option. He may not be the best. I'm not sure how the landscape will work, but... I think he's definitely going to get an interview, as you said, and, and we'll see how he fares and, and how he works with Joe Douglas if, if that situation arises. As far as Marvel characters, it's a good question. I mean, maybe Adam Gase is Doctor Strange, more name related than character, <laughs> but that's about all I've got for you.
1: Next question comes in From Hugo Stiglitz he says Would you rather sign one elite offensive Line free agent or two middle class Offensive line free agents I guess I would go with the elite offensive line Free agent because those guys are so hard To come by so I suppose if you're Telling me I could have Joe Tooney I would Pick him over two middle of the road Guys but either way Joe Douglas is going to be looking for as Many hole fillers as he can I'm sure he'll go after the elite guys Like Tooney and Conklin but he'll also go after guys like Glasgow, who are more middle of the pack, as you say?
2: Yeah, I mean, personally, I take the elite guy every day. I think if you have a top of the line offensive lineman, especially at tackle, they can mask the deficiencies of the guard anyway. Uh, And it's such an influential position. As nice it would be to get two plug and play starters, I think you have to take the blue chipper there. And I think Joe will certainly target the top cream of the crop in that offensive line market in free agency.
1: Next question comes in from Abstract Analyst. He says, who's the best head coach to lead the Jets after the post-Gace debacle is hopefully done after this underwhelming season that we have ahead of us? Boy, what an (laughs) optimist you are, Abstract Analyst. My goodness. You never see things as half full, always half empty. So it's hard to say because guys are going to emerge as coaching candidates. I know Robert Sella is going to be somebody that people talk about. Biannimi, we already talked about. I still really like Todd Monken. I'm curious to see what he does at the University of Georgia. I just love his resume so much. And Luke, you and I have talked about this, and I've talked about it on the podcast plenty, why I'm so high on Todd Monken. He does really well at Georgia this year as offensive coordinator. I think his stock will go right back up to the point where he'll be a candidate for a head coaching vacancy, both in college and in the pros. So we'll see. But those are the names that jump out at me right off the bat. But I'm sure there are others that are going to emerge.
2: Yeah, I think Monken's going to be an interesting name again. I'm not sure whether the Johnsons would consider hiring him after passing on him the first time. I'm not sure if that's an ego play from them. Look, two guys that I've loved the last couple of years are Matt Campbell, who obviously declined to interview with the Jets two years ago, uh, sorry last year, uh, and then I also like Dan Campbell, who spent a lot of time with the Saints organization and and with uh, Peyton over there. So. Look, as you said, the landscape changes from year to year, but there's some names to keep an eye on, but it'll be interesting. Personally, I hope Gase is here because that means Darnold's playing well and the Jets have have probably won nine or 10 games. So from that perspective, hopefully Adam Gase is still the coach in 2021.
1: Hmm. Interesting perspective, Luke. Next question comes in from Sebastian Strunk He says, are the stories about Le'Veon Bell just New York media Or is it a possible smear campaign from the Jets interns To explain his possible departure after the season was over So I don't know if I would go that far That it's a smear campaign by the interns It's definitely not just the New York media stirring things up There's some legitimacy to all of this I do think that Adam Gase wants Le'Veon Bell gone. I think Joe Douglas would be happy to see him gone as well. Not that Douglas necessarily has anything against Le'Veon Bell. I just think that he's not a believer in allocating those kind of resources to a running back. I do think that the leaks came, and I think it's fairly obvious that they did, from the front office or from the coaching staff. Whether it's Gase or somebody close to Gase, we know what the story is in terms of where it was coming from. I think it's a really weird strategy that they're employing because I know they're trying to get rid of Le'Veon Bell. I don't think anybody's going to take the contract. But there's a no win here because if they get rid of Le'Veon Bell, they're devaluing him now by putting out stories like this. And if they don't, now they're making it even more awkward when he comes back for the 2020 season, which I think is the most likely scenario. So all around, this is just more proof to me that Joe Douglas has to find a way to get these leaks plugged up And that Adam Gase needs to grow as a human being because, as I said, clearly these leaks are coming from somebody with an intention to help the Gase agenda. And this is not how you handle player relations.
2: No, I think you hit the nail on the head, Scott. I mean, if you're trying to trade a guy, why would you put out a story like this to to decrease his value, it doesn't make sense to me. But in saying that, I'm 100% sure, as you are, that the leaks have come from inside the building. Where they're from, I can't comment on that, but they definitely have substantial ability and they're coming from inside the organization. I, I think Le'Veon's going to be here again in 2020. The contract's going to be difficult to move, and this is in the NFL climate where they're starting to understand that second-year running backs just aren't worth the money. Um, so... Look, it's an interesting situation. I think it's much more than the New York media. There's leaks from the inside, but this is a a lose-lose situation for for the Jets, for Bell, and everyone involved in this.
1: That's going to wrap up part one of the mailbag. Don't forget to tune in tomorrow for part two. In the meantime, if you haven't had a chance to give us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd really appreciate it. It's an easy way to help out the show. If you like what we're doing, it doesn't cost you any money. It doesn't take you much time. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. Same thing, by the way, with Joe Caparoso's Turn On The Jets podcast. And by the way, Joe Caparoso and Connor Rogers from Bleacher Report are launching a joint project together. It's a 10-part series with a lot of outstanding Guests chronicling what's gone wrong with the Jets over the last 10 years. It's available for purchase. It's going to be $9.99. Joe talked about it on his podcast this week. Joe and Connor are going to come on Play Like a Jet next week and talk about it as well. And I think it's well worth your time. Some tremendous guests, too. And you're going to hear some stories and some little tidbits that you haven't heard before from the era. Also, they're, of course, going to talk about what they think the Jets can do to get out of that hole. So highly recommend checking that series out. I helped work on it, so I've had the opportunity to listen to the episodes. And let me tell you... They are all excellent. So if you're a Jets fan, you absolutely want to get in on that. Like I said, it's going to be $9.99. Follow Joe on Twitter at Jay and Connor at Connor J. Rogers, and you'll get more details on exactly how to order that series. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again to Luke for coming on. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.